Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding that is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. So I'm today with Fernando and we are going to be talking today about this topic. How to scale a startup that will make corporates want to be part of the founder's journey. Before we go deeper into our topic, Fernando, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Christian, and thank you for having me. So uh, I, I guess I can give you a little bit of my background and then uh, kind of how I got to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. So my background includes, I uh, worked retail and retail management a uh, long time ago and for years. I worked finance um, through some of the banks over here in the US. And then I worked uh, insurance underwriting, which I got a little bit of a better idea on when it came down to risk management, as well as, um, I mean, a very large amount of industries. And then it was digital marketing. So I always had I was always interested in like building websites and building strategies and putting together, you know, marketing ideas. And uh, about five years ago in 2017, actually, yeah, four years ago now, uh, 2016, I had the idea. 2017 is when I kicked it off. So five years ago, I had the idea. Four years ago, I kind of built up the courage to, to start it. Mm. Um, I started the business and then started uh, pushing for more growth and, and try to follow that passion and follow that, that instinct. And uh, essentially, we've been able to scale uh, heavily from, you know, this being a side hustle for me to over 20 employees now. Cool. That's a good sum. Good amount of people. Good team. Definitely. Yeah. We got great people over here. Awesome. And I think uh, you mentioned as well that you are based in South Florida, so you must have perfect weather to be very creative and uh, <laughs> have some great ideas that the clients will say, wow, we wouldn't have got to that idea. Awesome. Let's, <laughs> let's get people to, <laughs> to enjoy the marketing and the ideas and the concepts. Great. Absolutely. So, Awesome. So talking of uh, uh, looking at our topic um, of how to scale a startup and to make it as attractive that even a corporate would want to invest in the company or maybe even want to be part of it, do partnership with their different kind of ways that a startup can do a corporation or some kind of partnership with a corporate. But before that can really happen, um, usually even investment, you want to have certain kind of proof of concept and that. 
And when you look at it, if the marketing is so good that you're able to scale, then you become really, really attractive. But how do you go about that, Fernando? What's your view of things? Yeah, definitely. I think that there is um, there's a lot of things that we can talk about in that question. Mm. Uh, but the main thing is defining a product, defining a target audience, and then obviously showing uh, the capacity to keep on scaling and keep on growing, uh, which I would say you know is probably the hardest part of, of any business, showing that without the person who's most passionate about the project or has the main vision about the project, the project can keep growing and the project can keep expanding and the project can keep learning things um, about itself to keep improving and keep becoming better. Um, so, you know, that first step that I was talking about there is defining a product. So in the digital marketing world, there is a lot that you can do um, to market a product or market a brand. So you have to define what you're really good at. And this really comes down to how you hire um, as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, it really comes down to how you hire and how you build your team and also assessing weaknesses and doubling down on strengths will lead to essentially a really strong product line. You just have to be very honest with yourself and very honest with this process to understand that certain things you're not going to be the best at and other things you're going to be really good at. And you have to double down on that and build, um, a product behind that. Then defining a demographic or a target audience, uh, going after the specific industries that you'd like to work with, maybe the ones that are most profitable, maybe the ones that lead to high quality relationships that can then yield uh, more business or more opportunities. And then lastly, being able to show scalability. So showing how uh, each position can kind of work or ramp up uh, with each other as um, uh, as the company progresses and the, and the growth progresses, you want to show that you can keep multiplying those positions and you can keep growing without having um, any major pain points. And that can include, you know, overwhelming a team member, overwhelming an employee that can include tying up cash too much on, <clears throat> on workflows mm-hmm. tying up cash too much on, um, you know, in individual uh, teams and labor, or maybe, you know, you require a, a, a crazy amount of software and resources to actually get your final product. And those are things that you definitely have to define on your product section that you'll be able to move on to specific industries in which you can apply your product and there's going to be value for both of you guys, you know, you as the business and the other business as, as the client. And then lastly, you know, you want to show that if you get an inflow of, you know, 10 new clients a month, you can actually start sustaining that. Yeah, exactly. And and then you can really build up, create a momentum. Yeah. And, and, uh, so how do you then actually get the marketing do you um, get them to to focus on a certain industry or something because i can imagine if they try to offer or have a marketing that practically appeals to everybody but there has no focus it'll be difficult to carve a perfect message to get people actually to take action yeah i mean that's a really good question i think that um when you start off you in any business you double down on your Uh, on your network right you ask Mm -hmm. the people around you hey i'm doing this what do you have how can i help you um and and usually that yields a a handful of opportunities um that you have to do a really really good job in so that one you have a portfolio to show on work that you've done before and you have credibility and two you gain experience and three uh hopefully you gain a referral from that and and you know your immediate network is impressed and they would like to um you know move you forward to the rest of the people around so 
essentially after that you know we we kind of learned quickly the industries we wanted to be in and the industries we didn't want to be in um it, it yielded a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience um you know some were a little bit harder than others to to understand and identify uh, but as you move along i think that you know you start with your network and as more opportunities come along if you feel capable that that you can do them uh, you take those on and you learn from them and i would say that uh, it's really important to have certain check-ins with yourself um i mean as a leader as well as with your company uh, to not be afraid to reach out to you know your employees and be like hey how are we doing on this specific topic or how are we doing on this specific client or this specific situation and and keep learning from it so after you've defined that and you kind of know you know you start narrowing down the, the industries or the areas that you want to be in you then have to craft um, a pitch behind that and understand where that audience uh, normally resides so in in our case a lot of times it's really important for us to communicate with uh, marketing managers marketing directors or cmos and we found a lot of success in finding those on linkedin and normally what we do is since we've been able to look back into you know all the data or at least all the experiences that we've had and we get to understand okay this is essentially some of the pain points that we really solve and these are things that are irrelevant to this person and we try to lead with hey we know these are some of your pain points we'd love to talk to you and essentially just show you what we do over here and in a lot of instances you know we have kind of like a a demo on what we do or like an introductory call uh, we'll go through some preliminary questions to the client to see if they're going to be a good fit for us uh, we go through preliminary questions to see if we're going to be a good fit for them and if it makes sense then we move on to um, you know to the quoting stage and things like that but to you know to answer the question i know that it was a, a little bit longer maybe but uh you know the background is that you start understanding strengths and weaknesses you double down on those strengths you start finding pain points that you're truly solving and providing value for and then you use that to pitch um, to your target demographic and your specific audience. Absolutely. And as you said, the pain points, of course, you have to first identify them. You have to get in a conversation with the people and find out as well where op uh, maybe opportunities that you are maybe not even aware of that are maybe have a greater value to fix them. Because maybe the, as you said, maybe the things that at the beginning you think is really important the person might say, well, it's relevant to us. It's not so important. It's not a big deal. But this and this is hurting us and it's creating problems. And it's costing us money. We're losing clients and so on. Or we, the competition is doing this and these things and we don't know really how to really ad uh, address it properly that we regain traction again. And, that, and maybe it's well something that maybe if the marketing isn't so well done, that maybe even salespeople are demotivated because they say, I can't go with this stuff to a client and he just throw me out because it just looks horrible. Because yeah, of course he'll have the same thing. Like for instance, let's say a, a car dealer or somebody who's selling, let's say, um, for instance, fleet management services and so on. And he has maybe from one brand, he has cars and he's got all his marketing material and everything. And the, the guy has had a visit from some competitor before who has a different brand and the stuff looks shiny and good and all makes good sense. And they come with marketing material that looks like out of the 60s. I think, <laughs> this is. I don't think that they're really going to be efficient the way I want it because the marketing doesn't speak for them. And I suppose that situations where you sometimes maybe notice and say, hey, we can improve these things. And then the client says, wow, I didn't think that, that made a huge difference. And suddenly 
sales is going up. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. You, you, look, you'd be really surprised. We have, um, again, as we've learned and assessed weaknesses and doubled down on strengths, we've learned that the first stage for us to to really work with a client is to develop a visual identity uh, and understand, you know, what what does it look like to be part of their brand. We have a process, you know, that we've come up with that we're really comfortable with. Usually takes, you know, a 90 to 120 minute meeting in the beginning of our relationship with the client. And we come up with uh, creative direction for the client. And I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of, uh, you know, what you're talking in there is just uh, branding and changing that up. Mm-hmm. And I know you know that very well, but um, I'll give you a recent example where um, we had a client that had a whiskey bottle um, and the whiskey bottle was going for like uh, 19.99. Mm-hmm. After we finished with the branding, we we ran kind of like a an analysis and, and a survey, and people were like, "Yeah, this is like a fifty dollars whiskey." Just off of changing the label and the branding, wow. right? We were able to uh, double the price and then some. Wow, that's that's good because then it really creates a big value perception as well with the buyers, and it looks and suddenly doesn't look like the cheap stuff that you maybe get uh, in the. <laughs> in the lower shelves in walmart or something exactly really really good quality and and that makes a quite a big difference because um even if you look for instance wine there's plenty of wines that look really cheap and wines that have a really fantastic label on that and people think wow and and you notice that some people are very visual and when they pass like a, a a shelf with all different wine bottles or whiskey bottles and they think Ooh, that looks so good. They are actually willing to pay more, although they haven't yeah. even tried it. They don't even know whether they like the taste, but they're still willing to spend much more. And yeah, the same thing is uh, with cars and other kind of products or aircraft even. <laughs> Let's say you're looking at wanting to buy a company uh, company plane or something to, to not have to be in congestion and, and easier, faster to travel around. I think there's a huge wide variety of different kind of ways of packaging a product or even service. And it doesn't have to be the marketing material from the manufacturer. It can be even from the company who's maybe trying to sell the plane. Maybe they want to sell um, maintenance as well as a whole package or maybe even one of these businesses where you don't buy the aircraft, but you actually um, do like a subscription where you get to use the plane as often as you want. And you get the crew and everything, and you don't have to have all the hassle of buying the plane, maintaining it, paying the pilots, and thinking, well, what would what do I do if I fly maybe three hours a month? The pilot is on my payroll, and he's bored. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with him? You can't tell him, can you fly over to the other town and get me a bottle of whiskey? Uh, <laughs> that's not going to work that much. It's not very profitable. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it shows us, well, as I say, you can really do with small changes where people don't really think it's not a big deal. And suddenly, well, hey, that's that's more than a hundred percent profit increase. And uh, I, I suppose retail will still get their margin, but the retail even there will say, "Oh, we're getting more margin." Yeah, and they're buying more, so they'll maybe secure a prominent place in the store so that more people notice it and buy more, and then. It becomes quite a good investment in that kind of small tweaking of marketing. Yeah, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what other other things that you've seen that uh, businesses can improve and change the way they, they go out towards the marketplace? 
Yeah, I I think um, uh, definitely it's it's very crucial for for uh, brands and businesses to take a step back every so often again and look at their identity, look at their visual identity. I suggest brands doing you know a visual identity analysis or uh, revamping their branding guidelines uh, once every two years as a as a minimum. Um, it really works out because you get to incorporate you know any new trend that might be coming along um, you get to incorporate anything that's changed in your brand um, companies are always changing uh, especially you know currently in the in this uh, day and age I feel like a lot of companies well I mean we felt it um, a lot of companies focused heavily on digital and how they presented themselves on the digital world mm-hmm. so it's very important that uh, these businesses look into uh, their identity and try to get something updated. Uh, at least every two years, once again, like revamping your website every two years, revamping all of your social media strategy every two years, um, you know, revamping your your visual look, revamping your printed material, um, you know, even just your your brand statement as a company or your mission statement. Uh, it's good to revise it uh, every two years. That's something that we're seeing that companies want to stay on top of, just so that they can uh, portray the right image and and also. Um, be understood the right way by by their demographic and by everyone out there. Um, we're, we're living in a day and age that even people who are not your clients will have a, an opinion on on your brand, right? Just based on how it looks and based on how you present yourself and how much you actually invest into your your digital presence. Uh, people see that, you know, people all the time. I mean, um, I could show you a picture of two labels. Um, one label, I could make, you know, we could design it to look a little bit, you know, more antiquated and look a little bit, you know, uh, more old school than uh, a newer label, we would make a new label. We would put the exact same information on it. And if we were to run a, uh, run a survey, the majority of people would go for the updated label, even though it was the same information, same product inside, same, you know, content, um, could it even been the same manufacturer? People were going to go for the updated one. And that is because they want to make sure that whatever they are consuming or whatever they're purchasing or buying into is up to date. They never want to be the person that is not, you know, uh, dealing with a company that is, um, you know, that, that's, that's outdated, right? They want to be the person that's dealing with a company that's always up to date and has an amazing image. So whenever they, they talk about it, they can be confident in saying, Hey, you know, this is the partner that I work with. This is the company that I work with, or, Hey, I just signed up with this company. Uh, it looks really, you know, really good. Exactly. And, and when you think of it, it goes over to all different platforms as well in social media, whether the, like, for instance, logos on, on LinkedIn or the, the way the, the company page looks on LinkedIn, the new website and, and Twitter and all these different platforms. And even goes towards even, even having your, your website where you maybe offer your jobs and people can apply for jobs and that. If this stuff looks horrible, then of course they'll get a bad impression, and I think, mm, do I really want to work here? It doesn't look that good, and then it's up for somebody else. And when you think of it, for instance, companies like like Tesla, for instance, they go and say, "Hey, we're going to open a factory in this and this place. We need engineers, we need technicians, and so on, and so on." And people go crazy and want to apply. It's not yep. just the personal branding that Elon Musk has built, but uh, it's just the look and feel. You see the cars and you identify straight away. Think that's a Tesla. I think that's the newest one. Ooh, <laughs> and you stop and look at it, even though you don't have a Tesla and maybe you don't want to buy one, but you stop and look at it and admire it. And, yeah. Hmm. Absolutely, and and at that point, you know, you could definitely tell um, 
even something that comes to mind. So whenever Tesla does their release events and things like that for new cars or new models that they want to present over or their um, shareholder meetings or anything like that, that, um, you know, they're doing something in person. Um, they usually try to make that an experience. And if you look at just progressively how those have changed, um, they, they really take their time to make it an experience. And that makes a big difference because, you know, the world is watching when you do that. So again, whether you drive a Tesla or not, your customers now have an elevated sort of image because of how much you've invested into your brand in in building a good event and building an experience that someone can can go into and just be fully amazed by. So now you're kind of... Um, you're giving two products in one to your clients as Tesla. You're giving them, you know, a, a really good car based on the standards and based on on your values and how you're building that. And you're giving them an elevated sort of view. You know, you say you drive a Tesla, or someone sees you driving a Tesla. It's kind of like, oh, okay, this person is is it kind of defines your branding, right? It defines who you are uh, in a way to someone who doesn't know you, or maybe someone that that's known you for a while is like, oh, wait, you have a Tesla. Right, that's kind of what those what those brands can do for you if the brand is investing into the marketing, investing into how they they push things out, and investing on how uh, you know they portray themselves and their products. Exactly, and and when you think of it, uh, you see, of course, now more and more people posting as well that they've got the solar cells as well on the roofs and that, and everything's so cool. So you can place, and it even withstands big hail. And people think, well, cool. So I can get my, I can even charge my car. And I don't know how it's in the US at the moment. I haven't seen much of it, but uh, in Europe, at least, I see a lot of people who've invested in solar roofs. And there are these like boards that they have to somehow attach between the t roof tiles. And it looks as if, well, when the winter comes, it'll create problems. It might leak. You might get, uh, patches where maybe cold come get can get into your house and tesla or the solar system of of elon musk then actually gets uh the whole thing covered at once it withstands you have no issues you don't have to have people who are trying to somehow <laughs> nail something between some tiles yeah and and that's of course something where people then start thinking hmm When is he going to offer it in europe or when is he going to offer it in asia and so on which is a huge potential for him to even Add on on top, upscale, cross sell, and that, yeah. and uh, it's great because he's now improving the product, and then later on just needs to roll it out into the world. Plenty of the product have enough production, and he can probably build another factory next to his other factories. And the clients yeah. will already buy because they know, oh wow, Tesla is good. I want to have this solar stuff on my roof. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's uh, it'll be quite a challenge for competitors once he's even able to scale that business as well. Um, and as as we're thinking of course, looking at these scaling abilities, how where do you see other potential for startups to scale that they can as well increase the attractivity, especially when you think. Most startups, usually at the beginning, nobody knows them. Nobody cares until they somehow create this marketing perception of value and a must be. Yeah. Yeah, no. So the, the start is definitely really hard to scale. I think it's it's really hard to trust in the beginning. Mm. Um, you know, you don't know if you're delegating um, to someone that might not see it as, as urgent and as important as you do. Uh, but I think that there's a couple of things that can lead to to successful scaling. Mm -hmm. um, one is uh, transparency with your team and honesty. 
mm-hmm. um, where you're needing help, you know, where you're feeling over, overwhelmed and kind of like, hey, this is what we need. I think in the beginning, what you have is a, a delegation team, right? Hey, I need, I need this. I need that. I need these. I need that. And, and you expect that back to you, but, you know, they're still kind of reporting over to you. What you have to look into is after, you know, you've talked to your team and, and you know, you've practiced honesty and transparency with, you know, your own sort of like um, workflow, try to talk to them about their workflow and try to understand it um, to make sure that if they're reaching a point that they're overwhelmed, you can address that with maybe another position or another process. Uh, I would say also focus a lot on uh, documentation and process. Um, focus a lot on, I mean, just make a checklist, right? Okay, how do I get this done? One, two, three, four, five, six, you know, maybe it's a one through 10 sort of thing. Uh, we've used a lot of resources like um, uh, Loom, which is like a video recording software. And what we do is we lay out the checklist first, you know, one by one. Uh, and then we go into Loom and we record a video, which is just like screen recording and recording uh, your face. And usually a team member walks through the process, uploads that into, you know, a drive and in a folder called, you know, how to like how to do things. And whenever anyone has any questions, they can go in there, take a look at the full checklist or standard operating procedure, and then click on the video and watch someone do that. Uh, it makes it really interactive. And, you know, you can kind of go through any of those questions. Uh, so on, on the scalability factor, it's it's usually about assessing pain points. That's what you're doing. You're solving problems and building processes that can um, support those problems and, and minimize any errors in between. Uh, another thing that you want to focus on when scaling is reporting um so when you look at when you look at your organization ideally you want to be able to look at a report that lets you know however you know how everything's going and and how efficient we're being um it shouldn't take away from uh, being a human being and it shouldn't take away from being a human leader uh, where you check in with your team to see how things are going on their end uh, you know as individuals there's there's things that can change there's things that um are, are always out there uh that you know, you, you, you can't account for. Uh, I mean, this is people's personal lives or maybe their personal goals, um, you know, and it's something that you definitely have to stay on top of because it can it can either, you know, improve your scaling uh, as a company and, and, you know, they feel more invested and they'd like to, to grow more with you. Um, or, you know, they have other plans in mind. And, and the sooner you know that, the better for, for the better, um, you know, for, for the both of you. So I think that also, you know, again, just engaging with your team, talking to your team, letting them know that, you know, you care about them. Uh, letting them know your your goals, right, and how you'd like to scale, and and usually, you know, asking for for questions, for tips, for ideas. Uh, you know, you're going to reach a point that after enough, you know, delegation, and you keep hiring, and you keep growing, you keep assessing pain points, you keep understanding your business model. Um, you're not going to be doing, um, you know, the jobs and the tasks you were doing in the beginning. Someone else is going to be doing those, and they're going to know best. They're going to know, hey, I'm, you know, this position struggles with this, or hey, I'm having uh, the main issues here or the main bottleneck here. Uh, another thing that's really helped us, uh, Christian has been, uh, we have a weekly meeting on Wednesdays and I usually sit down with the team and I go, hey guys, three questions. You know, what are you happy about this week? Uh, what do you need help with, if anything? And then what are you grateful for? And that usually opens us up to understand uh, a lot more of, of you know what's going well and what we need to celebrate. If anyone needs help with anything, we can address it in a meeting where everyone's in it, all of the employees, so they can kind of give ideas. Hey, I've tried this before. Have you tried that? Uh, and then lastly, you know, what are they grateful for? Right? They might have some wins in there that uh, were unex- unexpected, or maybe they they were able to complete projects in record time, and they were able to understand a client really well, carry a successful campaign through. 
Uh, and usually that gives us, uh, you know, a lot of data and feedback on where we need more help or, or maybe, you know, where we need um, to address certain factors and, and, and certain points that are going to uh, help the scaling of the company. Yeah, that's good because it actually gets everybody back on to track and everybody feels heard as well because they have a chance as well to speak out on things that maybe they haven't been willing to actually uh, agree with themselves as well that they need help and then notice yeah i need help with this and this and uh, it's not that easy and somebody else might say oh, that's that's interesting because I, I can i'm good in this thing but i have problems with this and this thing and the other one might have be able as well to help the other one as well and uh That's that's a good good thing to say and to do actually do with the team um, every week, which is a very good idea. Yeah, it's it's been uh, very interesting to have you here on the on the show and discuss all these uh, potential ways of getting a business not only just to scale but get them into a much better way of doing marketing and and increasing as well the. Not, over, not only the, the perceived value of the product, but as well the value that uh, derives for the business and as well for the team members, because of course everybody usually needs to have a reason, not only a salary, um, to be part of a team. And a startup is, of course, not an easy cake to play with. It's often challenges, but the, the rewards eventually come out. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Um, Before we end this show, if people want to get in touch with you, Fernando, how can they reach out to you? How can they find out more how maybe you can help them? Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say, you know, for information on, on the company, digitalmules.com, um, we've got a lot of info in there on what we do and how we do things. Um, if they wanted to connect with me, uh, Fernando Clemente on LinkedIn, uh, you know, if you wanted to, to find me and connect with me, I'd be more than happy to connect with you. I connect pretty much with anyone that tries to connect with me and kick off conversations, uh, you know, don't be afraid to send me a message or, or kind of, you know, send me a quick hello that you're looking at connecting and that you heard me um, here on the growth zone. And, you know, if you wanted to send us an email, you can send us an email at <clears throat> info at digital mules.com and uh, we'll be happy to help. Great. Awesome.
I hope you enjoy today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contacts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com. That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAPBarge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is CAPBarge. Charlie, Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel.